0: lot of people, the world as they knew it, ended back at the start of lockdown. And it's been a different life since then.
1: Modern medicine has done a lot for mankind. But the one thing we've all been reminded of since the pandemic began is how much there is that we don't know
0: about the human body. Your gut has its own brain, and that brain can become depressed as well as your, your head brain can.
1: What if a lot of the answers we seek already exist within each of us? Hiding In plain
0: sight. Trying to watch what we can do to help avoid the the changes that happen in our gut is a really important thing. And what they are
1: discovering might explain that gut feeling that we all have from time to time. there and you're very welcome to that gut feeling i'm jonathan healy i'm the presenter of this new five-part podcast series that is sponsored by alpharex and aims to answer the important questions about your gut health and how you can look after it Now, across this series, we're hearing from some of the leading Irish and international experts on the growing awareness of gut health. And for this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Philip Kieran, who's the resident doctor on RTE's You Should Really See a Doctor, and who's also appeared on the RTE Today Show and on Channel 4's How to Stay Well. So he's well-versed in this. He's also a full-time GP in Cork. Dr. Philip Kieran. you're very welcome to the programme. How are you?
0: I'm all right. That makes me sound far more that that makes me sound very different to who I feel like I am <laughs> that intro
1: well let you be comfortable in your own skin and we'll take it's an it from intimidating there intimidating
0: intro <laughs>
1: <laughs> Philip uh, you've had a busy year because uh, yes. I'd imagine the GP side of things has kept you going
0: it has it's been it's been a busy 18 months to 2 years now at this stage um, like I remember naively thinking back in March 2020 that you know maybe 6 to 8 weeks and then we'd be back to normal Um and I wish I could go back to being that naive now, <laughs> but it has. It's been a very busy year. We've been trying to reinvent general practice for all intents and purposes on sort of a month-by-month basis over the last 18 months. We're kind of getting into a more settled routine of it now at this stage, but only over the last month. Um, but it's been, it's, been a, it's been an exhausting year the last year, trying to, to get on top of it, trying to look after people's health problems that aren't COVID, trying to deal with COVID, um, and, and trying to help people through this, this, uh, this time.
1: Yeah, I mean, stress has been a big part of everyone's life. Uh, There's no one who's Mm. been immune to it because our lives have been upended by by the pandemic. But doctors have become stressed in a different way, I would imagine, because of the challenges that you guys have faced. Everyone looking to you, uh, if they think they might have COVID, if they do have COVID, uh, looking for you for magic answers that might or might not exist. It's been a stressful time for GPs,
0: hasn't it? It really has. And I suppose we're fighting and it feels like fighting some days on on at least three different fronts. Like we're trying to help people with what's concerning them and try and help them with their stress. We're trying to deal with our own stress because we're all, all people. Um, But then there's also trying to get the right information out while combating the, the misinformation that's out there, which has become a bigger and bigger issue. uh, Particularly I've, I've noticed it over the last sort of month or so, we're fighting a lot of that, but it's been, I suppose in some ways it's been easier for me than a lot of people. I've never had to worry about my job. I've never had to worry about um, working from home. I, I can't work from home. My patients won't come to my house, which is probably a good thing on the whole. <laughs> but um, I've I've always known I'm going in five days a week um, and I've never had to worry about where mm. I'm going to pay the mortgage uh, from, which has been a, a, a huge luxury in these uncertain times for me. But it has. It's been really stressful and difficult trying to balance Trying to balance so many things with
1: the people that are contacting you we phone are coming in to the gp surgery delighted to see you no doubt how has the stress been manifesting itself i mean everybody's different but our bodies respond to stress in a certain way don't they
0: So I'm seeing an awful lot of people coming in with stress, and and they kind of broadly fall into two categories. Those who are coming in telling me they're stressed, and those who are coming in telling me that there's something else going on, and it comes back to stress. But as you point out, everyone deals with problems differently. Everyone has different things that stress them out, and different levels of stress in their life, and different ways of coping with it. But I am seeing an awful lot of people coming in and they're sleeping poorly. Their concentration isn't good. Their memory isn't particularly as good as it should be. They're having stomach pains or constipation or diarrhea or bloating or things like that. And I've been seeing, particularly over the last six months, a lot of people coming in with bloating and upset stomach or acid reflux type symptoms or or just pains. A lot of the times it's, I don't know what's going on doctor. I have this pain or it's not even a pain. I feel funny. Here and they're sort of gesturing to their abdomen with it. And and it's about trying to pick that apart then and find out is this purely stress? Is there something else going on? Lifestyle changes. But a lot of it comes back to the fact that for a lot of people, the world as they knew it, uh, as they had lived it for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, ended back at the start of lockdown. And it's been a different life since then. Um, And people have been trying to get used to it. And there are a lot of people who are surprised that it's only hitting them in the last three months because we can all cope with a certain amount of change and a certain amount of pressure and stress and chronic stress. But at some point it becomes too much and it overwhelms us and we start getting symptoms of that stress. So some people will turn around and say, but look, we've been in this lockdown for a year and a half now. Why am I only feeling this way over the last two months? And it's trying to get that idea that we have a certain amount of resilience, but that can be worn away. It's a finite resource. Um, you, you mentioned
1: stomach, and I mean the stomach is something that that I I've had, uh, and and it's only in recent times that people have started to work the connection between the head and the stomach. There's a reason why your stomach is giving you trouble if your head isn't right, and and it's it's all linked to that gut brain axis.
0: And the gut brain axis is something that I have a, a huge personal interest in. I, I remember I I first became interested in it back, and going off on a slight tangent here, sorry, but uh, back when I was just qualified out of college, 2008, and there's a condition associated with too much antibiotic use called C. diff um, colitis, and it can be really difficult to treat because it's, it's a very resistant bacteria in your gut, and so using more and more antibiotics, you kill off everything else, and then this thing proliferates, but one of the treatments that I learned about was a thing called a fecal transplant,
1: I, I'm kind of automatically turned off by this now, but I'm, I'm going to let you keep going just for the listener.
0: I'll, I'll try and keep it as as, as a PC as, or as child-friendly as possible here. But <laughs> basically, you you try and replace the, the lack of bacterial flora in the gut with more bacteria. And the whole idea is that they then outcompete this Clostridium difficile C. diff and you can treat it. And it is more effective than a lot of the antibiotic treatments that we would typically use. And I remember thinking when I was naive doctor um, going, why don't we do this first line? Um, And the obvious reason we don't do it first line is that people think it's absolutely disgusting and they don't like the idea of it. Mm -hmm. But it piqued my interest in the, the, the role that the gut bacteria play in our body and then I started learning about sort of things like irritable bowel syndrome and seeing how stress affects that and it was well established back at that stage that your mood has an effect on your gut right that was accepted and it was kind of put down to by a lot of doctors at that point if you're feeling stressed you're manifesting your emotional stress as a sensation in your gut what I think what what I then found really interesting was about or four years later i think around 2014 or so there was a study done in mice where they showed that transplanting gut bacteria from anxious mice to non-anxious mice caused anxiety in the non-anxious mice oh the poor mice (laughs) i I know it will actually (laughs) you know if you're worried about the mice's welfare i recommend not reading any preliminary medical science research they they don't they don't come out well in it ever um but it's no So, But then there was a lot of other stuff that flowed on after that. Again, in my study, so there was treatment of obesity in mice by using fecal transplant or what we call gut microbiome transplantation. Um, But it really piqued my interest. And I, I remember thinking there was this whole thing then that our gut has this big impact on our mind. So medicine had kind of come around to the idea that it was like, well, if you're stressed, you feel it in your tummy but it wasn't really looking at the, at the link in the opposite direction. So the gut brain axis is what it's called now. And really that's become much more talked about over the last three or four years, but it, it's a fascinating thing. And one of the, I suppose the more you look into this in detail, the more interesting or the more interesting, I think it becomes your gut has its own nervous system, right? So there's this thing called the enteric nervous system. And I don't know if any of your listeners will have done um, mice uh, or worm experiments back in, in leaving surf biology, but the, the nervous system of a worm looks almost identical to the nervous system of a gut, right? Right. So your gut kind of looks like this, this external organism, which is living inside our body. And it has this huge interaction with our brain, with our mood, with our stress levels and with how we feel. Some of that is to do with the actual bacteria that's in our gut, because there's a hormone called serotonin,
1: Oh, that's the good one, isn't it? We, we, we,
0: yeah, we like serotonin.
1: If you have serotonin, you're, kind of, you're, you're in a happy place, aren't you?
0: You are. So one of the big things with low serotonin levels are associated with stress and depression and anxiety, right? right? So serotonin has a calming effect on our nerves, on our, and particularly the nerves in our brain. And the, the funny thing is, is that we don't make serotonin, or we don't make very much of it. The human being doesn't make very much serotonin. 80 to 90% of all the serotonin in your system is manufactured by bacteria living in your gut. So we farm serotonin inside ourselves. We don't actually make it. We absorb it from these bacteria that we provide a house for, for all intents and purposes. So what, ha- what happens then if
1: you're not keeping the house in good check? So in other words, if your diet is, is awful and you don't eat, eat the greens that your mother told you to eat all those years, are you kind of reducing the possibility that you'll have the happy hormone?
0: Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent you are. So there's, There's three things that affect the level of serotonin that's being produced by the bacteria in our gut. One is the the number and diversity of the bacteria that can produce it. The second one is how much food we're giving those bacteria to produce it. And the third one then is how healthy and happy those bacteria themselves are. So if you're eating a lot of fiber, which is digested slowly and gives the bacteria lots of stuff to live on, if you're eating, uh, taking in enough food, which has uh, certain long chain fatty acids, particularly found in fish, They're the substrate that are used to make hormones like serotonin. And then if you're physically active, you're churning the stomach contents around. You're giving these bacteria more opportunity to be mobile and to be healthier. You're going to have lots of lots of serotonin. So even down to maybe
1: going for a good solid walk or a run or jumping up and down or doing something, that's actually like a like a cement mixer for serotonin.
0: Exactly, exactly. If you imagine these are tiny microscopic bacteria and the more surface area they have to work with, the happier they are. If you churn the contents of the stomach, they can form on the bubbles that are formed. They can go and attack more food. They can get to the stuff that was inside a clump that then gets broken up. So they're much happier. So this is one of the reasons where physical exercise has a big impact on mood. It does a lot of other things for mood as well, separate to this, but this is one of the effects it has. Hmm. If you contrast that with eating high-processed sugary foods, low fiber, uh, and a lot of fats, the bacteria that are really good at breaking down sugars, fats, they will thrive, right? So, And they will push out of the living space. They'll push out the good bacteria that need the fiber and need the the long-chain fatty acids to get by on. So if you look after the neighborhood that your gut bacteria live in, you'll get nice, friendly gut bacteria living in there. And if you litter it with junk, you'll get the stuff that thrives on junk living there.
1: Now, I'm going to ask this question for a friend, right? If you drank too much during lockdown, if you probably dipped into the sweet jar a little bit too much, um, you add the stress yeah add the fact that your gut isn't producing serotonin and doing much as it is that poor unfortunate individual was more than likely going to suffer a little bit more than if he was in a eating healthily and, and not worrying
0: yeah, I think I have the same friend as you there, Jonathan. <laughs> um, it's, uh, good. He's yes. a good guy, but he had a tough years, You know, and, and, and it, it felt like it was holidays because there was a lot of people at home hanging around all of the time. It was only understandable. Um, yeah, it, it does. So you you will, your friend, your friend, will have felt more stress uh, than he would have felt otherwise. Now, part of that is down to just the pure physical discomfort, that if your bowel is ticking over nice and easily, your, your abdomen, your tummy feels better. And if you're having a little bit of constipation or the runs, your tummy will feel worse and that makes you feel worse. But aside from that, the changes in the gut microflora um, will have made you feel, your friend, our friends, will have made them feel worse than they would necessarily have felt if they had kept up a healthy lifestyle, eating better, eating what we all know we should do um, and exercising well.
1: So therefore, good advice for the friend is to watch what's going into his mouth in the first place.
0: Watch what's going in, yeah.
1: Now, the other challenge is, I'm guessing, and I'm not I'm not presupposing what your patients who did get to see you or who spoke to you on the phone are going to do. The modern culture is, I have a problem, give me an old tablet for that, and I'll come out of it uh, the better. Uh, and I don't really want to do too much to fix it. Uh, is that a problem for GPs then? Because a lot of the issues that might be presenting don't necessarily require pharmaceutical intervention they probably just need a change of diet or 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 something else that'll shove them in the right direction
0: yeah um yes it is it is a big problem for modern medicine um and it's it's twofold actually it's from the the patient side of things coming in looking for looking for me to fix it right uh, when there's a lot of the times my job is to give the advice on how they can fix it themselves. Um, but secondly, because we are getting less and less, more time poor in medicine, like I, I'm seeing uh, probably 35, 37 patients a day and doing phone consultations for maybe another 15 to 20. So that's about 57 clinical contacts a day, which is too many, to be honest. Um, mm. But because it, it is, it is quicker to suggest a medication than it is to suggest a lifestyle revamp, right? It is easier to sell, it is easier to convince someone to take a tablet for a short period of time than it is to change their whole diet. But the changing the whole diet is far, far more effective and important, right? So with modern, what I try and do to with people is to try and explain what we've been talking about here. It's to try and give them the tools to understand why I'm recommending the lifestyle changes rather than tablet and also pointing out to them that some of what they're feeling isn't necessarily abnormal or, uh, or or a medical problem this is an experience that we're all going through and sometimes we do need to intervene with pharmaceuticals but sometimes we don't and it's about trying to manage the expectations and also explain to people that there are there's often not a quick way to fix something but there is almost always a correct way to fix something and it will take work with, with both of us, with me giving the advice and supporting them through those changes and with them doing the work that I've recommended.
1: But I'm guessing you, you outlined your workload there. Um, the time you get with each patient, I'm guessing is diminishing, diminishing, diminishing because there's, there's a more demand on the GP service in general. But overall, you're having a tough time given the level of service perhaps that you might want. So is it hard to kind of get that information out there? And do we need to have a wider discussion about gut health do we need to have a wider discussion about well maybe the reason why you've got acid reflux is because you're putting yourself under a huge amount of pressure or, or or maybe you could try something else and do a little bit of exercise change the diet and that might forestall a problem down the line is it becoming harder for gps to have those conversations because they take a little bit longer
0: it, it, it definitely is like i i would love to spend if you've ever gone to your GP and you've been sitting in the waiting room for an hour past your appointment time, it's probably because they are having that good medical conversation with someone, um, or else they're dealing with an emergency or a tragedy. But it, it's—I I would love to have—I would love to have forty minutes per patient. I, I really would, and I think I could achieve an awful lot more for people's health if I had forty minutes per patient. Um, having those conversations and this is why i love doing things like you should really see a doctor or how to stay well i love doing stuff that gives me the opportunity to reach a bigger platform to 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 get simpler points of complex problems across what people want though is they want a one-size-fits-all cure and, and because mm. of how different people are there there is no such thing in medicine there is no Take this, and you will definitely feel a hundred percent. Hang on a second.
1: Problem. Someone's going to be coming through the door to you. They know they've probably been eating too much. They know they're going to the chipper too many times. They know they're after drinking too much uh, at the weekend because you know I, I still get a little shock every time I, I I see how much is the recommended intake of alcohol. It still it still comes as almost a as a laugh to an Irish person. That's that's what you're supposed to drink versus what people do drink if they do drink alcohol. Yeah. So how do we fix it? So um, I'm in with you now, Doctor Philip. Please advise me as to how I can change my lifestyle for the better. That will uh, that'll help my gut, help me produce all the good stuff.
0: Perfect. So the first thing we need to do is find out what you're willing to change, right? Because <laughs> nothing. I want to limited, change nothing. and love. have more crap. and that's fine. We'll, we will have a conversation around then. Then it's, it's how do you uh, do you accept that the consequences of your lifestyle now are what they are, and if you choose that that's the way you want to live your life, tip top, away you go. I will try and mop up the problems as they arrive. And um, what we then do is what, what I do is I will try and give you something to try and manage the symptoms you're having at the moment, right? So if you're having acid reflux, bad acid reflux, I will try and give you something to reduce the acid reflux. If you're having constipation or diarrhea, I'll try and treat that. But I will be telling you that this is a temporary short-term thing, right? I'll be telling you, you need to change your lifestyle. And I'll be looking at what you're eating. I'll be asking you what you eat. And a lot of the times you do get shut down in this conversation. You just say, oh, I've been eating the wrong thing, doctor. And I know I'll do better. And they won't tell I'll you. Always try importantly, and, no, I'll try and flesh that out. I think a lot of people think I'm going to be cross with them. And I turn around to a lot of them and say, look, I'm not your parent and I'm not your priest. I'm not going to get cross with you. Whether you, whether you take my advice or not is is your own business. And, and I, it, that, that's, that's on you.
1: Big big difference between 10 Hail Marys in a confessional and having to stop drinking.
0: And having to stop drinking. <laughs> uh, it's all about moderation. We'll just reduce it to start with. And then I will often look at, at adding something in because people like to add something. In. It's easier to start doing something new than it is to cut out 110 billion things. And um, so things like um, probiotics, prebiotics, and foods that have a lot of bacteria in them. So if you like um, yogurt drinks, I would say, would you consider getting a yakult? If you like taking a vitamin supplement, something like uh, uh, Alpharex or another probiotic like that is a good starting point. And um, if you like spicy food, I, I make kimchi myself because I like cause I really like how it tastes. Um, but it is really high in, in bacteria as well. Um, and so these things can help. Um, I suppose with the, the reason that I mentioned Alphalorex particularly is because they were one of the first probiotics to have clinical evidence to show that they have an improvement in irritable bowel symptoms, um, and, and some degree of help with, with mood as well. So it, I think that side of things is fascinating. And I remember talking when I was filming for you should really see a doctor. I was talking to a consultant in UCC, a guy called Ted Dynan, who was saying that he thinks that within a relatively short period of time, we'll be treating a lot of psychiatric illnesses with tailored probiotics, or psychobiotics is the, the term he was coining. The problem with that is we don't understand the intricacies of it enough to tailor that treatment for an individual yet. But I would agree with him. I would think that in the next 10 to 15 years, we will be treating a lot of health problems by altering your gut bacteria,
1: hmm. so in other words, everyone always talked about the the future of medicine been up a tree in the Amazon that we hadn't found yet. It could actually be hiding in plain sight, could it?
0: Yeah, yeah, in your toilet, or
1: somehow <laughs> back, to, back to the poo transplant. I mean, you've gone back full the circle there. <laughs> I know. Hard sell that one, Philip, but you know, I, I, I'll, give, I'll give you a chance. Here, as somebody who has to regularly have these conversations you say everything in moderation, mm. what about your own diet in the past 18 months? Have you been uh, as, as unhealthy as the friend I mentioned earlier?
0: Well, my diet's been absolutely perfect and flawless and above reproach, but I have a close personal friend who gained 15 kilos during lockdown and and probably uh, indulged in, probably drank a little bit too much as well. Probably. No, he definitely did. He definitely definitely Um, did. There's no problem. There's no problem about it. But look, it it is. And and the thing is particularly... (laughs) particularly when we reopened our doors, like we, we had our doors completely closed for about two weeks uh, back in March of last year. And um, so we reopened relatively quickly, but we were very restricted in who we were seeing and who we were bringing in it. Um, but the people who were coming in were very grateful. And fortunately, unfortunately, we have a lovely bakery just next door to the surgery. The patients walk past when they come in. And so there was always cakes and biscuits and sweets in the back kitchen in my surgery. And when I'm stressed, um, actually, when I first qualified when I was 24, when I was stressed, I stopped eating and it was it was never a problem. Now I will eat continuously pastries and cakes all day long. Um, and I found myself between every second or third phone call or patient review going into that kitchen and having having cake. Uh, sorry, my friend did. My friend did, not me. Friend, yeah. I, I, was, I, I was out running uh, 10 miles uh, on celery. Um, but I, I have, I, I like... I would say a month ago I started running again which I hadn't I hadn't been running for 6 months uh, at least um started running again myself and the dog go out for a run three days a week and I have started not eating in I haven't even improved my diet that much I stopped eating the crap that's in the back kitchen at work <laughs> so basically what you're trying this is this is a public appeal to your patients yeah.
1: please stop dropping cake in even though the bakery is lovely uh, <laughs> just, just give them a break give, give the man a break I, some people go I off don't want to get lynched by my October. colleagues now <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're um, giving up cake for october oh i love this give yeah, up oh, for it's, yeah. Uh,
0: it, it's it's but when you're stressed and it's so there is back to the the, the gut brain access again we know that when you're emotionally stressed it changes the bacterial composition of your gut as well so our gut bacteria affects our emotions but our emotions also affect the gut it is very much a two-way street and um, um, one of the things that happens is it changes the composition of the, the bacterial flora in our gut and it can make us crave high sugar, high fat foods. So this is the idea of comfort eating, mm. right? So you get stressed and you just go, I just, I just want seven croissants. And, um, and again, friend, that's, a, that's um, a
1: very specific number of croissants. Very specific it, number it's of an insight.
0: That. Go on. <laughs> um, but it's, it is that thing and so the stress drives you in that direction and and i find it fascinating to kind of think back to the evolutionary side of things that the most likely stress we had back at those, back in prehistoric times was was probably resource related and so it makes sense that when we're stressed we try and get as heavy resource intake as we can and so it's all there it's all just under a thin veneer of civilization and when we hit these really stressful moments our primitive Parts of our of our of our development come out and, and they drive us to do this. So trying to watch what we can do to help avoid the, the changes that happen in our gut is a really important thing. And, and in many ways, has medicine overlooked
1: this a little bit, that you're that, that it was looking in the wrong direction, that maybe it should have been concentrating more on what's happening in that gut, in that unexplored place,
0: uh, rather than looking in other directions. I hate how patronizing medicine has been over, and still is at times. Um, But like, it was always the case of, well, so so irritable bowel syndrome, uh, we used to know that treating people's anxiety with with antidepressants helped their irritable bowel symptoms. And so the conclusion that I feel was, patronizingly and erroneously drawn was that this was people who had primary mood problems who were getting upset and and dressing it up as something else i worked with a consultant gastroenterologist who used to point out that your gut has its own brain and that brain can become depressed as well as your your head brain can and that was way before we knew about the two directional transmission between the gut and the brain so he was He was way ahead on that front. And it's only now I I feel like on behalf of doctors, I owe an apology to people who were dismissed.
1: Can I just finish up by... by look into the future a little bit here. Uh, we, we've talked about the last 12 months because I think, uh, you know, you meet anybody, the first question you're going to ask them was how was pand- the pandemic for you? Knowing the answer was, it was pretty awful for me. How about yourself? Uh, now we're looking forward, right? And again, coming back to the patients coming through your door um, and people seeing light at the end of the tunnel, great vaccination rollout, every, all, all the stuff that, that gives us room for optimism. Is, is now the time to reset the gut? And reset the bacteria in there as best as you can through the exercise, through diet, through everything like that. So we can future-proof ourselves a little bit here for whatever the next shock might be.
0: Absolutely. like So the best time to have done this was yesterday, but the the second best time is today. Um, Our gut is one of the frontline parts of our immune system, right? Um, Food and bacteria and pathogens, so viruses and stuff, come in through our mouth and nose predominantly, Um, And so inside our mouth and inside our gut is the first line of defense we have. And one of the things we have defending us against illnesses is actually the fact that we have a lot of friendly bacteria living in our gut, which outcompete pathogenic bacteria. So getting your gut healthier now will give you an advantage uh, and an immune system boost going forwards. Right. So eating fiber exercising regularly drinking plenty of water and not as much alcohol it is a good habit to start at any stage and the sooner the better
1: well i'm going to leave you go back to enjoy the sixth of your seventh croissants of the day (laughs) (laughs) dr philip kieran it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for joining us thanks Jonathan. That is it from this episode of That Gut Feeling, the podcast series raising awareness and the importance of your gut health with me, Jonathan Healy, and sponsored by ZenFlo. My thanks to Dr. Philip Karen for joining me. Don't forget, you can listen to and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Join me the next time as we continue to explore That Gut Feeling.